Good morning, everyone. Let's. Excellent this rainy kind of day, but we are delighted to kick off the 2015 More Than the Score season. I'm Cindy Frederick, and I'm the Associate Vice President for Alumni and Parent Engagement and Annual Giving here at the university, and it's my sincere pleasure to introduce you. So now it's my honor to introduce our two speakers today, Jody Lahandra, UVA's Historic Preservation Architect, and Mary Hughes, UVA's Landscaped Architect. Jody manages the work on the university's more than 100 designated historic buildings, including the Academical Village. Previously, he had his own architecture practice in Richmond for 18 years, specializing in historic preservation and restoration. Jody received his Bachelor's of Architecture degree from Virginia Tech and his Master's in Architectural History from the University of Virginia. Mary is a graduate from UVA School of Architecture and guides the university's efforts related to cultural landscape preservation with an emphasis on history and evolution. She is the co-editor of Design with Culture, Claiming Americans' Landscape Heritage, which chronicles the origins of the landscape preservation movement in the United States. Please join me in welcoming Jody and Mary to the kickoff More Than the Score. Very good. Good morning. Um, currently, the rotunda is going through the second construction phase of uh, a project that uh, is costing $58.5 million. Um, and I, we have done a lot. The, we are halfway through, like I said, and uh, we have done an awful lot in a year. I'm going to take you through a very quick tour of the construction and um, and gives hopefully some time for Mary to do her thing up here. And uh, I will just jump right ahead, but first I find it helpful to maybe remind people a little about the history of the rotunda, the, its very uh, troubled past. Um, of course, it was gutted by fire in 1895. The only um, elements left of Jefferson's original rotunda are in red in this cross section. Um, shortly, or Immediately afterwards, McKibbin White, the architectural firm, prominent architectural firm in the United States, started the recreation of the rotunda. Uh, their work is indicated in yellow in this cross section. Uh, the two porticos and the dome is left of their work. Um, and then this is the view, a view that Jefferson never would have recognized. Uh, it is of university from University Avenue. And McKinney and White made a lot of changes with the Board of Visitors' uh, encouragement uh, or direction um, to add a portico on this side, also wings. Uh, in Jefferson's original building, there would have been, this was the rear yard and the rear of the building. There was a small door and some steps out of it. Uh, in the late 1930s, uh, Stanislaus Miskilski, a, a, a professor here, uh, oversaw the re uh, renovations of the wings, replaced the terraces uh, and the stairs to the porticos as well as the paving. Uh, you see his work in green in this cross section. And then the rotunda, of course, uh, was changed by McKinney White in the interior also. Uh, a floor was left out of Jefferson's original plan and because the library had expanded so much by the late 19th century, they needed more room. And so this monumental uh, library space was created by McKim, Mead, and White. Um, but by the late 30s, when the library moved to the new Alderman Library, um, the university struggled to find things to do with the rotunda. Um, <laughs> and this flower show is one, um, one event. Um, and so it was about this time that there was a movement to begin to restore Jefferson's interior arrangement. And that resulted in the, again, gutting of the rotunda, this time man-made, um, and uh, installing the Jeffersonian interiors with a lot of conjecture uh, for the, um, the detailing of that. And you see all of that 1976 work in blue in this cross-section. As you can tell, everything inside was replaced at that time. And uh, the view afterwards of the dome room, uh, note in particular the uh, acoustical metal panels at the inside 
uh, ceiling of the dome that was put in in 1976. So again, to, to graphically illustrate this, this is Jefferson's original rotunda. The dome, the two south wings, the portico, all facing the lawn. McKinmean White added the north portico in 19, I mean, sorry, 1897, along with the north wings, the colonnades that connected the wings, and then the courtyard gardens created by that connection, <coughs> excuse me, the north terrace facing University Avenue, and then filled in afterwards over the years. The first phase of work was completed just over two years ago. Um, <clears throat> there was active deterioration of Jefferson's brick walls because of leakage that had been going on for over 20 years. There was not enough money to do the entire project, so we carved out the most important piece, which was replacing the uh, roof. Like I said, that project was completed two years ago. Um, over 4,000 individually cut sheets of copper are on the roof, uh, weighing 6.5 tons. Um, we also, at that time, uh, renovated or, or repaired the brickwork on the main drum of the building. Note the black bags over the capitals of the South Portico and North Portico. I'll come back to that. Uh, so the second phase of work has started. Um, we've been planning for this for many, many years. Construction began just over a year ago after final exercises, 2015. And they have five, uh, there are five aspects to this work. Finishing the exterior repairs, uh, mostly that's to the wings and the colonnades. Uh, replacing the elevator of the main rotunda that has been uh, <coughs> uh, breaking down frequently. Replacing the building systems, uh, at least, this, is, this accounts for at least half of the construction. Replacing all the mechanical electrical plumbing systems, data, cellular phone, um, sprinkler systems, there's quite a bit. Uh, increasing the usage of the building, and then improving the landscape that Mary will talk about. Uh, for the exterior repairs, we have such things as spalling brick, uh, mortar joints, <coughs> the ornament, top left that everyone thinks is painted wood is actually sheet copper. Uh, the Board of Visitors, uh, after the fire of uh, 1895, requested, or not requested, directed that the building be fireproofed. Uh, so consequently, sheet metal was used for the exterior ornament. The uh, capitals, uh, upper right, as I talked about, they were uh, uh, sheathed uh, or, or covered in black netting <coughs> for about seven years. Um, that's as a result of finding pieces of them on the portico floors. Conservators came in and determined that they were uh, made of a uh, domestic marble, Vermont marble, by McKim, Mead, and White that was just not as dense as the original capitals uh, and could not be salvaged. The um, spalling concrete, replacing the elevator, uh, the elevator before you had to get through it through other rooms. Now you're going to be able to get to the elevator from the central hallway, open to all the public. Mechanical systems were shoehorned into the building in 1976. We had rudimentary systems, constant volume, constant air that were inefficient uh, and also um, uh, not uh, conducive to the kind of different uh, uh, uses within the rooms of the, of the building. Also produced mold on the uh, ceiling panels in the dome room. Um, and we studied many different ways of trying to figure out how to add space for new mechanical systems, and that we had to get more space. What we settled on is in the east courtyard, creating an underground mechanical room. Um, most of the space is mechanical space. We also lowered uh, the east um, oval room floor to another uh, sub to create a sub basement and this floor and this area is also mechanical space we then uh, created a tunnel connecting all these spaces going underneath the colonnade above out to what is a catering parking area over here and there is an elevator being constructed now uh, that goes between the parking area down to this sub basement to through the tunnel to a a small catering space where they can plug in their, their dinner trays and the 
uh, keep them hot, and then when needed, go to the existing elevator that has been extended down one floor. So that's the concept uh, for uh, our design. In terms of improving the building usage, uh, adding classrooms and study space for students was at the top of our list. Uh, opening up the South Portico door, enlarging restrooms, updating the visitor center, and in the dome room, replacing those metal ceiling panels with acoustical plaster, uh, opening up the lower gallery for the first time um, and, and using it for study space, uh, and increasing enhancing the support service spaces, in particular the catering uh, support. There are over 200 events in the dome room every year, and catering needs something more than what I'm going to show you. The South Portico doors are glass, and they've been closed uh, since 76. We did a trial just before we started our construction work and found out that more than 70% of the people coming to the rotunda chose to come up that, this way. So in the uh, changes we're making, this will become the, uh, pu a public entrance and, and, and used regularly, of course. We had a presidential room with antiques and a velvet rope across it across from the Board of Visitors room on the second floor. Uh, this is going to be converted to a study space that will uh, have multiple uses. Um, also be able to be used as a meeting room. The um, gallery, this is the lower gallery in the dome room that has never had access to it uh, since 76 when it was constructed. We are going to add a stair to it and open it up and put tables and chairs and overstuffed furniture in there and let that and hope to encourage students to use it for study space. This is what the catering had to deal with. Um, they would plate behind a screen next to the uh, trash can in the Cryptoporticus. This is the only space they had given to them underneath the south stairs. So consequently, they used niches in the dome room to store their equipment. All that will be changed. They'll have a large area in which they can take their uh, equipment down and store it in between events. Uh, really, the heart of, of what uh, the, the university design team loves about this project is adding classrooms. We're having three classrooms. We've changed the uses of the south wings to, uh, from offices, as they were before, to uh, uh, public use and, and university use. Two classrooms in the southeast wing, a classroom in the lower west oval room, and then the southwest wing is going to be made into a large multi-purpose space that will have doors put into the windows between the west courtyard and the room itself so we can get uh, combined connected uses. Now begins construction. We get the building after final exercises 2015. First thing we do is put in a building monitoring system. The most important thing about the rotunda historically is the brick walls that are Jefferson's. Um, because we knew we were going to be underpinning them to create these underground mechanical spaces, it was essential that we not do any damage to those walls. And to figure that out, we put in a laser monitoring system that hit over 130 different targets on the building at least once every four minutes, 24-7, 365 days a year, um, to know whether or not there was any shifting or movement in those walls. The utilities were a bear. Um, luckily, we started those right from the beginning. <clears throat> All, most of the central ground utilities go right in front. Well, on front, I do the same thing. Um, this is not the front of the rotunda, it's the rear. Uh, between university and the rotunda, and we're taking our new utilities perpendicular to it. And we found that the utilities were not where they were shown in the maps, or were not on the maps. Um, and so we had to redesign it. Um, we had to go deeper, we hit rock. Um, it has taken an extra six to eight months uh, to be able to put the utilities in. Fortunately, um, we're at the end of that. Uh, underpinning was a huge uh, endeavor, and that's how we started last summer and went into last fall. Uh, we had over 80 pits to excavate beneath the Jeffersonian brick walls. These pits are about four to five foot wide. They're over 20 foot deep, and uh, a man gets in the, in the pit with a shovel and a bucket skin is given down to him, and it's pulled up on a pulley. I mean, it, it's not any more sophisticated than that. Pits filled with concrete afterwards, and we do that over 80 times to get underneath all the walls. Uh, shoring is put in to around the colonnades and the wings. Um, and then this is a, a, a sequence of uh, photos of the construction. We see, you see last December, 
um, starting the excavation after all the underpinnings been put in place. And then bottom right, you can see the, uh, uh, how far we've advanced by February. You see the underpinning pits now for the first time. They had to be put in first before you can excavate this out. Just on the other side of this wall, too, we are excavating out at the same time the lower east oval room because we're creating mechanical space there. Uh, and then March, we start the uh, concrete structure. Uh, the slab is poured in April, and then the topping slab uh, roof is poured and waterproofed. And this is how it is today. We're working off the top of this mechanical space now. And below, this is what we've created or allowed for us to um, to put in. This is all the large mechanical room. This is the uh, air, air handling unit for uh, the lower two floors. And this is the small catering room that we're creating uh, for storage. Again, that small catering room is there, and the large mechanical room is here. And this is the, um, where we are with, create, with uh, building the elevator. Uh, this is a rendering of what that elevator will look like when it's completed. Um, this is the elevator shaft itself, and there's a stair, outside stair, wrapping around it. This view is from the elevator, looking down this angled tunnel and then towards a straight part underneath the colonnade. All that will be underground, the, um, and as Mary will describe to you, on top of this mechanical room will be a garden. The Portico Capitals, this is a, a talk in itself, could last at least an hour. Um, this is a McKimmean White photo of them raising the marble blocks, putting them in place. Uh, a very brave man over here underneath a marble block being raised. Um, and no hard hat. Um, and these blocks stayed in place for about seven years. They were not carved. The university did not have the money to carve them at that time. It wasn't until 1902 that uh, a gentleman, Williams, out of Richmond, paid to have them carved, and they were carved in situ. Uh, this shows, again, the damage um, that we were experiencing. The, our uh, construction manager, Whiting Turner, out of Richmond, uh, identified the capitals of very long lead items. So we got started on them uh, about nine months before construction actually started. Uh, interviewed a number of firms, and the long and short of it is that we ended up selecting Carrera Marble as the marble for the new capitals, the same that Jefferson used uh, for the originals. Uh, to prepare for this, let me see if this works. Yes. To prepare for this, the, we uh, selected Padrini carvers out of Carrera, Italy, along with Rugo Stone out of Northern Virginia. We gathered all the remnants of Jefferson's original capitals that had been used for paperweights around the university and, <laughs> and uh, door stops and things like that. Um, and gathered them all together. We cleaned the largest extant um, remnant that we have, uh, which is in the Bailey Courtyard. Um, and then the Padrini carvers came with their scanning equipment and scanned all these elements, knitted those scans together to create a, uh, a scan of the, complete, uh, the capital, the original capital, that was about 85% complete. We were missing some uh, elements. Uh, we used historic photographs, pre-fire photographs, to get the details from those. We had the design team go over to Padrini, uh, Padrini's uh, studio in Carrera about three times to study the, um, uh, the clay modeling. Uh, they would work together during the day to identify problems between the model and the originals. Um, you can see some of the notes here. Uh, that night, the carvers would change the clay models. They'd talk about it again the next day. Um, and until, and then finally, we got an approved full capital, which then uh, was carved. Um, we had 16 capitals to do. Um, and that was done with a block of marble being put on a CNC machine, it's called, a robotic arm that operates 24-7. It works for a month and a half to take a block of marble down to about 5% of the completed um, uh, capital. And you can see what's left behind these ridges. Uh, then another month and a half to hand carve uh, the finished completed capital. Uh, you can see how it starts here with the block of marble and then the different uh, 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 progressions as we're going along. Um, even recently, we were sent uh, from, from uh, students in uh, Italy a, mag a magazine article in Italy uh, about the capitals. 
Um, we can't read it yet, but we're, we're <laughs> we, we hope they say nice things about us. <laughs> um, the, uh, so the comparison is, of course, the McKinmean White Capital from Vermont and the new capitals, they're absolutely gorgeous. They're, they're, they're soft. I mean, it's, it's hard to describe, but you touch it and it's actually soft. Um, the shoring of capitals, getting the capitals in place is a, was a huge engineering challenge. Um, we ended up uh, creating, and I say we in the overall, I didn't, <laughs> I, I just attended the meetings. Um, <laughs> Shoring was, was installed that then took the weight of, off of the roof off of the capitals. A track system was created at the level of the capitals that, that went to then a loading tower over here to the right. Um, and then the old capitals were disengaged from the shaft and the roof, uh, put on a cart, rolled out on the tracks to the tower, and then lifted out of place. Of course, the new are done just the reverse. Uh, loaded into, uh, put onto a cart that is also a structural cage, uh, placed on the loading tower, and then rolled above the column shaft, um, and then attached to the column shaft, not only with mortar, but we have uh, stainless steel pins also attaching it. Um, the capitals are all in place, all 16. It went very, very well. We have some things that don't go so well, utilities. We have other things that have gone wonderfully. Um, and for a brief moment, they were exposed, but now we've covered them all in boxes and protected them because we're still doing construction above them. Um, and on slides to come, this is the lower cornice, and this is the upper cornice that I'll be talking about. Um, ornamental sheet metals. I said uh, what, is, what people think is wood is actually sheet metal. And it's been a, quite a challenge. There's, there's damage to it. There's paint buildup. Um, you can see here one of the uh, painted medallion blocks put next to the stripped medallion blocks. This is a mock-up of the stripped sample. Um, that is also, is, is the, the, the sections are dissembled at the joints, at the original joints between the sections taken to a shop off-site, stripped of their paint, repaired, primed, and painted, and then brought back in sections. This is a mock-up of, of us uh, 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 approving the, uh, the process, and then they are being reassembled uh, on-site now. Um, this shows a section that has just been assembled, and then here's a section that has been completed with all the rivets um, and the repairs uh, painted. Um, the brackets have all been taken out. These are the original cast iron brackets holding up actually the lower cornice. Um, they've been all been, they were, they were installed with bolts into wood plugs in the brick wall. Of course, all the, the uh, leakage over time, those plugs rotted and the brackets were falling away from the building. Um, we took all those off, sandblasted them, refinished, recoated them. Um, and then uh, installed them with, a, um, uh, with epoxy anchors set into the wall. We painted the roof. Um, this was something that we weren't able to do because of weather. Uh, when we replaced the roof, uh, we were able to do it this summer. We had to take the roofing back, scouring it to finish copper, uh, and then uh, it's a, a two-part epoxy system, Coraflon, that has a 20-year guarantee. Um, and we hope to get even more than that out of it. Uh, the, not a lot going on here at the North Portico. This is taken recently. Um, the uh, men down lower are repairing the brick uh, walls, or the brick uh, above the capitals and below the pediment, or at the base of the pediment. Um, and the men up top are installing the uh, sheet metal cornice at that upper level. You can see here, this is where the cornice has been removed from the uh, tympanum uh, of the portico, and they're being uh, off-site, being stripped. The portico clocks is another uh, separate talk. Um, these, of course, clocks that date to McKinmean White, uh, the reconstruction after the fire. Um, and what, how they exist now are white uh, Roman numerals uh, with a, actually the hands were wood hands that were solid. Um, we, after research we, and also a paint analysis of the clock itself, we discovered that there were minute, hand, minute indications on the clock. 
um, that the Roman numeral letters were thinner than what, had, uh, what is existing today, and that the hands were metal also and had cutouts in them. Um, all that's going to be restored. Uh, the, 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 the biggest surprise was that all this was gold paint. All the letters and the minute hands and uh, minute indications and the hands were gold paint. And at the time, that was felt to be, it reflected when you looked at it uh, obliquely, and that stood out more. So we're going to be restoring the, the clocks uh, to, this, uh, to their original. Inside in the dome, uh, we have taken out the metal, the, the, those uh, sheet metal panels. Uh, we put in new framing, sound attenuation blankets, and now we've, uh, we're putting in the baseboard for the acoustical plaster ceiling that's going to be going in. Uh, the dome room capitals, we, in research, discovered that the plaster capitals that were put in in 1976 were inaccurate in some details to Jefferson's. The only interior photographs that we have of the rotunda prior to the fire are in this dome room. Um, and so we do have photographic documentation that we're able to blow up and study. We also discovered that the gentleman who, who carved these uh, wood capitals was a, gen uh, was a fellow named Sturdevant in Richmond. And we've gotten his letters, and he complains about not getting paid enough. Some things, some things don't change. Um, we have hired a, a carver in Richmond uh, who is making the new capitals. Um, we have researched uh, uh, the the uh, photographs uh, have worked with him to create a, uh, a computer model, and he's now in the process of starting to, to load that into a CNC machine and start to do the carving. Uh, the biggest discovery was that during the research phase, uh, the architects put their heads and, and got inside of these two little openings in the fireboxes that were discovered in the 1976 work and actually discovered a chemical hearth. This is the uh, uh, teaching instrument that was used by Dr. Emmett, the first professor of, of natural history, who taught chemistry in the lower East Oval Room as a laboratory, and then did his uh, lectures in the lower West Oval Room of chemistry. It's a, uh, and we even, uh, we've hired uh, historians to go back and research our records and records of Dr. Emmett's, um, and have found such things as his uh, drawing of the kind of instruments he's just purchased in New York to bring to the university to teach chemistry. Um, it is a niche uh, that has five different apertures for conducting chemical experiments. The two fire boxes where fuel is, is burned and then transferred to those niches. Um, the fire boxes are connected with underground brick tunnels that bring fresh air to the base of the fire boxes as well as to the apertures. And then in red, there's a system of flues to take away the exhaust of the fires as well as the chemical experiments. Um, very sophisticated. Uh, system. Uh, the only reason it was saved is because in, in, 18, uh, in the 1840s, the chemistry laboratory was moved to one of the wings and then eventually in 1854 moved to the uh, annex that was constructed. Um, and this was bricked up and it was essentially put uh, 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 sealed and, and survived the fire and all the, in the 1976 demolition, uh, we have a really rare find here. As, as far as known, this is the only surviving early 19th century chemical hearth uh, in the world. Um, it will be uh, interpreted, uh, and it's luckily it's in the, what's going to be the visitor uh, center, visitor room. Um, and so there will be exhibits in there and they'll be interpreted for that. Uh, a cistern in the East Courtyard. We had a map from Pratt that indicated there was a cistern there. Uh, we did archaeology ahead of time and indeed found the cistern and even found the names of the workers who had, who had written it in the wet parging on the side of the cistern. And from that, at that was able to trace it to uh, three cisterns being constructed for the new annex in the 1854. Oops. Uh, such things as, as uh, debris from the fire found in interstitial spaces uh, in the basement um, and other artifacts. Um, in the, this is the north wall of the rotunda, the original north wall, Jefferson's. Uh, we knew that stair, we thought it was a masonry stair, and the paint over, over uh, paint uh, uh, indicates that it was actually a wood stair that went up to that rear door. 
Um, Philip, Jason Phillips in 1897, when he raised those uh, uh, blocks of marble, carved his name in the top. Um, and where are we going from here? We're concentrating on the exterior work to the rotunda this fall and, and winter, um, early winter. Hope to have it mostly done so that we're not terribly affected by any uh, bad weather this winter. Uh, and then the hardscapes for the plaza and courtyards will start uh, early winter, go through the winter into spring, and then landscaping and interior finishes will come after that. Um, we do have a webcam. Uh, you can Google Rotunda web webcam or else a construction blog. We put that out periodically. And uh, this is a, a sick uh, uh, ceremony that they used to have um, uh, before the 1976 um, uh, uh, work where they would burn a cake uh, every um, October 27th to commemorate the 1895 fire. And that's it for me. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Althea asked me to talk about um, some of the new landscapes that have been built around the uh, university grounds that you might have an interest in walking about and seeing. Um, I don't know how far I will get into that, um, but I'm going to start with the uh, rejuvenation of the rotunda landscape um, as a follow-up to Jody's uh, wonderful talk about the uh, building renovation. So um, the renovation of the rotunda has given us the opportunity to rethink the landscape surrounding it. As you saw, the East Courtyard in particular has, um, has been largely excavated, and so it needed to be remade into something. Uh, we began this process as we did with the building uh, by doing historical research about the history of the rotunda landscape. Um, what we found in doing a cultural landscape report for the um, academical village as a whole is that although Jefferson would recognize the lawn if he came back for the game today uh, and walked up uh, from, um, well, he wouldn't recognize, of course, Rouse Cock and Old Cabell Hall, but uh, with his back to that and looking towards the rotunda, he would largely recognize the uh, appearance of the lawn. But he would be very surprised when he uh, arrived at the rotunda because um, there has been a lot of change over time. As you see, um, in the 1850s, there was that annex that, uh, that burned in 1895, built on the north side of the rotunda. The landform that we have uh, today, which you see in the slide on the right, is essentially the remains of that, uh, the footprint of that annex. Um, here is a uh, brief uh, history of the evolution of the rotunda uh, landscape. As Jody mentioned, if I could get this to work, oh, I can. Um, in uh, Jefferson's day, this was absolutely the back. And even though University Avenue was then three-notched road, the major road linking uh, the fall line city of Richmond uh, and the rivers, of transport uh, to the Western Mountains. Uh, Jefferson did not want you to enter the Academical Village from that north side. He wanted you to come all the way around to the southern end and process up and get that beautiful view of the rotunda gleaming on the hill up above you. So to that end, he, um, he actually designed a number of barriers. There was a stone wall along Three Notched Road. There were um, there were uh, fences along the east and west side. There was, as Jody indicated, just a very small door on the north uh, portico. And then there was a very steep bank um, down to the, um, to the landscape at a grade below. But uh, he was not satisfied with that. He planted that with scotch broom, which is today we think of as an invasive uh, species. Um, all of which to, present, to prevent you from uh, accessing the rotunda from the main um, roadway in Virginia at the time. Um, so over time, uh, the wings of the, this area to the um, east and west of the drum of the rotunda, he 
envisioned as being outdoor exercise areas. Eventually, they put a roof and tried to capture that space as indoor space. But really, uh, and then, of course, built the classroom wing of the annex on the north side, starting to recognize that this access from the north was an important um, port of entry into the university. Um, but really, the rotunda and its courtyards uh, and its terrace on the north side achieved the form that they have today after the renovation of the rotunda in uh, 1895. And so it is essentially a McKimmead and White uh, construct that we see today. But as Jody explained to you, we, we ran out of money at the conclusion of that renovation of the rotunda. And so even though um, McKimmead and White had very elaborate garden plans for the rotunda terrace and its courtyards, we had no money to implement those. Now, this is a part of the history of the rotunda that we do not plan to repeat. We intend not to run out of money uh, before we get to the landscape this time around. So, um, so what we were left with at the conclusion of the rotunda construction was capitals that were uncarved and um, a north landscape which, um, which Jody showed you was very spare and um, you know, just had a small uh, a, a paved area with a small uh, green block that was later filled in with gifts by alumni, uh, the, the flagpoles and the Thomas Jefferson statue and the sundial that are out on the North Terrace, those were all uh, gifts by alumni to embellish the area. Similarly, with the courtyards, the uh, eight uh, magnolia trees that formerly um, stood in the courtyards and this, um, and this hedge and small green with some paths, uh, those were gifts of alumni to embellish what was left as a very bare area. So we realized um, that the landscape that came down to us was uh, incrementally uh, derived, a series of small choices, never really a overall uh, design scheme that was implemented. And these spaces were not, uh, not well used. Um, the uh, magnolias are not a species that you, know, you would really pick to put in a small courtyard space, let alone four of them in each courtyard. So they had grown up, um, they were having some impact on the buildings, they were 10 feet away from the building itself, um, and they made a very shady kind of unused um, and unusable space at the ground plane. So we saw the renovation of the building as an opportunity to reimagine the landscape in the spirit of the rejuvenation of the building as a space for the university community to really use and, and use well and love well in the um, centuries to come. Uh, to do this work, we hired a world-renowned landscape architect, Lori Olin, who was the winner not only of UVA's Thomas Jefferson uh, Medal in Architecture, but also the National uh, Medal of the Arts. So very prominent. Um, man to come and reimagine our uh, courtyard spaces and the North Rotunda. The East Courtyard is, of course, going to be rebuilt over the top of that mechanical room that Jody showed you. So there will be um, a uh, you know, relatively shallow depth of soil in this area. We, um, this is a courtyard that receives the full morning sun. And um, so uh, Lori Olin imagined this as a morning court where you would come and have your cup of coffee and a serene uh, space, uh, oops, um, where you would have some benches, a small water garden in the center, um, and uh, framed by small trees and shrub beds, relatively quiet, um, secluded uh, spot. Um, the uh, fountains that are imagined for the two courtyards, as you know, there was a fountain in the east courtyard previously that was broken and was in recent years largely without water. Um, and so we are going to do a new fountain in the Darden Court, which will continue to bear the name of Colgate Darden in the future, um, but it will be a relatively still pond of water with uh, water plants in it, a small bubbler. And then in the west courtyard, um, we're still seeking funding for this, but we're hope hopeful of 
um, having a uh, fountain with more of a splash um, in the center of the west uh, courtyard, which will continue to bear the name of President Shannon. Um, this is Loriolan's sketch of uh, the east courtyard and what it will look like after construction. Um, in the west courtyard, as Jody mentioned, this courtyard will be linked uh, by doors to the multipurpose space in the west, uh, southwest wing of the rotunda. So, um, so this we imagine to be uh, a reservable space for events in the future. For that reason, it is largely going to be paved with four small hawthorn trees in, in planters and movable outdoor furniture, tables and chairs that can be moved out of the way when we have events. Um, the big challenge of the rotunda, um, and this would be a perspective that Lori did of that courtyard, if we, um, if we are unable to uh, find the funding to do the fountain, we do have an alternate plan for um, a sandstone paved um, ornamental center uh, to the courtyard. Um, the uh, biggest challenge with the rotunda landscape was not so much the courtyards and what to do with them, but the north uh, terrace, which was, as you know, a large windswept space that uh, was not used very much uh, by the university community, except, of course, for alumni reunions, dinners, and, um, and graduation, queuing for graduation, and some, um, some diploma ceremonies. So we, uh, we charged uh, Lori Olin with developing a plan for the North Terrace that would make it usable by the university and Charlottesville community uh, 365 days a year, not just a couple times a year. And um, so um, this was the charge that we, uh, that we gave to the landscape architects beginning this work. Um, Lori's um, assessment of the problems with the North Terrace um, was that um, really the small boxwood hedge, which we replaced some 10 years ago so you could actually see the rotunda from the north side, uh, was too, uh, too small and insignificant to sort of provide a comfortable edge to the large expansive terrace. Uh, his um, lifelong uh, thinking and research and contemplation of public spaces around the world uh, have led him to the conclusion that people feel comfortable occupying a space where they have something at their back, where they feel protected and sheltered in some way. And so he argued that we should have small trees in the planting bed at, um, at the North Terrace to uh, frame the outdoor space and give people a comfort level in occupying the space, reading a book, checking their emails, whatever, uh, on a daily basis so that you wouldn't have to have a big event to feel comfortable in that place. Um, that was a very difficult thing for the university um, and its preservation advisory committee to, um, to uh, accept for a long time. It took a lot of dialogue and a lot of drawings and photographs to try to um, get the um, approval to put trees at the front of the rotunda. But that is the plan today, um, to have small trees um, that will not grow any higher than the balustrade of the uh, rotunda. They will be deciduous and uh, lightly branching. So you will see through the branches of the trees. You will still see the wings on the rotunda. Um, but it will create a comfortable space for people to occupy. This is a sketch of what it would look like after construction. The tree that is being imagined for this space is a Virginia native fringe tree, um, beautiful tree, blooms in the spring. Um, with any luck, on some years it will bloom at graduation, um, but it will be a beautiful new space and then there will be perennial beds and shrub beds uh, around the trees. And we will also be reclaiming some of the old capitals that were removed from the rotunda to be used as garden ornaments in the new landscape. So they will not be disappearing, they will be uh, reoccupying uh, the rotunda space. So that, those are the plans that are in place that will start to be implemented um, this fall with the paving work. I also want to say that we are in the 21st century and the university is committed to goals of sustainability. The um, rotunda renovation itself is um, going to be certified 
uh, lead building, um, and the landscape will contribute to that. The paving on the north side of the rotunda is going to be porous paving. And uh, the, um, so the, um, all the rain that falls on that paving will recharge the groundwater and also um, be watering the beds in the um, surrounding the paved area. Uh, briefly, some of these trans other transformative landscapes around grounds that you might want to take a look at, uh, New Cabell Hall Courtyard, another historic preservation project that we're very proud of, um, New Cabell Hall. Um, many of you uh, went to class there. It was our workhorse classroom building from the 1950s. Colgate Gar Darden uh, chose to build it uh, where he did on the um, south side of Old Cabell Hall so that um, people would continue to use the lawn. If they had built the workhorse classroom building in West Grounds, no one would have had a reason to come to the lawn all these years. So, um, so that's why the building was located where it was. The courtyard in um, the uh, past is, as you see it in these photographs, um, it was just, you couldn't really access it very well, so it was just something you looked out the window at, and it wasn't a terribly attractive space and certainly not, um, not accessible and usable. So uh, with the renovation of the building, um, we have reactivated the courtyard, providing several doorways um, into it. The centerpiece of uh, the courtyard actually is this soapstone um, bench, beautifully wrought uh, bench designed by a local landscape architecture firm um, called SiteWork Studio. And again, local materials used in the fabrication of the bench um, and uh, beautiful space for people to occupy on a daily basis. There is a cafe, a Panera uh, family uh, cafe now in New Cabell Hall that has doors and stairs accessing this courtyard. We also have a big cistern in the courtyard that collects rainwater that we use for watering. Uh, the plants in the courtyard uh, one of the sustainable features uh, that we've incorporated here. Um, this building is open today, so if you choose, uh, you will be amazed, for one thing, just walking through the halls of the building at the um, ability of the architects to introduce natural light into the building, uh, new materials, air conditioning. So it's, um, once it was a, a sign of the um, underclass status of the College of Arts and Sciences, now it is a beautiful, um, really, show place. So I invite you to, uh, to stroll through and uh, be amazed at this building and enjoy the courtyard. Uh, at night, there's this wonderful uh, lighting, so it's a wonderful place even in the evenings. Uh, totally uh, transforming that uh, unloved and unused space. Um, similarly, the arts grounds uh, has been reimagined with the construction of new studio art building, Ruffin Hall, additions to um, both the drama building with the Kaplan Theater and the uh, School of Architecture at the top of the hill, uh, Campbell Hall. Uh, this big open space also was designed by uh, the firm headed by Lori Olin um, into a multi-use space uh, that is, uh, is largely open so that it can be used as a sort of painter's palette for uh, all kinds of collaborative arts activities. Um, one of the first um, spectacular events that occurred here was uh, Patrick Doherty's um, on-the-fly sculpture, which some of you in this room may have participated. Over 200 people, both students and Charlottesville community members, um, worked with Patrick Doherty in um, claiming the uh, brush that was used in the sculpture and building the sculpture. Uh, and it's been standing there for two years. I don't know how much longer it will, it will stay, but, um, but it is much, uh, much loved and a great centerpiece and uh, kickoff to the collaborative use of this uh, arts ground space. And just a couple weeks ago, we had a big arts uh, open house over 600 people came and ate dinner here. Uh, President Sullivan uh, strolled through the crowds and big celebration of the arts and students uh, signed up for, um, for uh, you know, all the various musical groups and um, drama groups and various clubs that relate to the arts 
Um, so we see the landscape here as being a symbol of our, the new uh, rejuvenation of our um, arts programs here at the university. Um, the Battle Building is the new children's hospital at the corner of JPA and West Main Street. And where uh, the Blake Building used to sit on the corner, there is now a beautiful new park um, that uh, has been put in place, designed by M Michael Ferguson. It is a public park um, for the whole Charlottesville community to use, as well as the uh, families who are, um, have uh, children getting treatment at the Children's Hospital. Uh, to that end, we have a um, whimsical mother bear and cubs sculpture, and we have some funding also. We're, we are going to be um, purchasing more artwork to put in this park on the theme of Lewis and Clark's uh, animal discoveries. Um, and then the hospital green roof, really quickly, another transformational project that you have to be, unfortunately, a patient in a hospital, which I don't recommend if you can avoid that. But if you are a patient, you will enjoy the fact that you no longer look down on this uh, ugly, ballasted roof, but instead look at, look at this green um, abstraction of the uh, central Virginia landscape with its, its very own um, Rivanna River and uh, agricultural fields and uh, Blue Ridge Mountains. So um, the, um, the, the Rivanna is here made out of beautiful reflective um, broken glass. So um, that is the conclusion of my talk. And with whatever time we have, I'm sure Jody and I would be glad to answer any questions. What Darden. do you do if you have to replace a major piece of equipment? Uh, we take it out through the same elevator. We also make sure that the equipment is put in in segmental units that can be taken out through the existing or through the openings that we're creating. And, and when you ran into the rock, as you're concerned about underpinning the return, how did you fracture that rock? Uh, we. In the, it, most of the rock was actually in the on the utility side. Uh, they use directional borers that actually have rock carvers uh, part of the um, the device that drives it. They carve through the rock. And what did one of those capitals cost? One hundred and fifty thousand just materials. Um, yeah, haven't even bothered to figure out what it cost to get it up in place. Right. But actually, once you figure out or once you know what they went through to make them, it seems cheap. It does seem cheap. What, I know you can't answer this question. <laughs> but the rotunda was originally copper roof, correct? No. It was not? It was a tin plate. It was a tin-coated uh, sheet iron uh, that was allowed to oxidize, so it oxidized an off-white uh, color. Okay, so that's why they thought they had to go to white? Yes. That, and think about it, uh, like Monticello, Jefferson's, uh, Jefferson, to create that stepped look, the classical stepped look at the bottom of the, of the dome, he did that out of wood parapets. Um, and certainly they were painted uh, an off-white color. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Uh, speaking both of uh, sustainability and right preserving there. the historic material, um, historic meaning also post-Jefferson, um, I'm concerned about uh, the older capitals being put out in the open landscape and deterioration thereof, and uh, one or more will be saved in a far more secure environment, I suppose? We are saving two of them, the two best examples for posterity, putting them in, in a, a climate-controlled area uh, for saving them, and then uh, four are being put outside. Another one is being donated to the uh, A school. They have asked one for one over, over there. And, and one of them is at, uh, has just been put at the new O'Neill Hall, oh, former right. faculty apartments on Rugby Road. Uh, that has just been put in place. And so development has the rest of them, and we just ask development to make sure you pay for shipping and handling. Um, I see that the projections go beyond graduation next spring, but I'm wondering what the anticipated situation is for graduation. I'm glad you asked that. I, I meant to, to say that. Um, we are working, that's why actually I showed you on, on the, the graph that most of the exterior work we're hoping to get done by, by this winter so that we won't be too affected by any bad, a bad winter. Um, we are working and doing everything we can to have the scaffolding down and have the fencing down from around the rotunda so that it can be processed by the graduates' next, uh, next final exercises. Um, there will still be work going on probably inside the building. Um, we'll have uh, um, 
landscaping probably will still be uh, going in. Uh, we'll, we'll have other things that are being done. It's, it's, but it, we're going to have it, all the stuff taken down, so the photographs will show it just fine. <laughs> yeah, when you removed the old capitals, did you have to jack up the roof? We, we uh, took the roof up just enough to be able to disengage them, but we also had to replace the uh, steel beams above those old capitals. They were all rusted, um, and we replaced those, and so we had to take some of that architrave, or, well, some of the bearing uh, uh, from just above the capitol. So and that gave us... He had to cut some of the pins. Yeah, well, actually, there were no pins. Oh. We, we, we were surprised to find out that just gravity and the good Lord was keeping them there in place. <laughs> I have both a landscape and an architecture question. Does, any, does Jefferson's notes speak to anything that you're doing on grounds um, arc, uh, in the landscape? And then my other question is, are the columns going to be sandstone or white? Um, well, Jefferson um, certainly was a great gardener and horticulturist. By the time um, the rotunda was being finished and the academical village construction was finishing up, um, you know, unfortunately, Jefferson was in his final, final years, and so uh, the, the construction wasn't even finished at the time that he died. So he did not leave the kind of um, description, detailed description of what he intended for the landscape at the university um, that he did for Monticello over many years or Poplar Forest. Uh, we have a letter where he talks about the lawn and he describes it as uh, lawn and trees, uh, grass and trees. Uh, we don't even know whether the trees got planted before he died. We have not found any record to indicate that. We know that there were the first trees on the lawn were black locusts and that they were in place and already dying uh, by the, um, the um, 1830s, so very early on, certainly. But um, so the landscape, uh, he did designate the serpentine walls around the gardens, but not any particular landscape treatment for the interior of those gardens. He left that to the professors. And in terms of the column shafts, they're going to be off-white, the same color as the cap, as the dome and the trim on the building. And that color was determined through paint analysis of the McKinmean white period. Um, and, and so they will be off-white. Last question. I, I work here at the university. Uh, <laughs> uh, I work at such a brown, so I know a lot of this stuff. Just being here for, for 13 years, uh, close to 13 years. So I've seen a lot of changes. But my question to you is, uh, after the, uh, the landscape plant materials put in, um, you talked about sprinklers that are going to be put in. Okay. There'll be a sprinkler system in the east courtyard because of the, the shallow um, ground level. We need to do something there. Okay. Yeah. There will not be irrigation um, for any of the landscape that is built at grade on original soil. Okay, um, so um, I know that there isn't any spigots or anything like that on the outsides of the building. There will be. There will be? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Good. <laughs> yes. There were memorial tablets on the walls of the rotunda, both on the lawn side as well as the uh, north side. Were they left in place during reconstruction, and will they be there when it's over? They're in place now. They were uh, preserved and, and um, I forget the term for it, but they, they were treated by conservators, protected, and now we have boxes protecting them from the construction activity. Um, and gentlemen here. Well, first of all, thank you so much. This, this is really excellent. In terms of the exterior construction, what's your expectation in terms of length That'll be oh, it, a, um, end of July next summer. No, no. Oh. The length in which it will remain as is the next major <laughs> renovation. <laughs> that, that was a, a, a quite a long, I mean, 100 years or, or more. Um, now, the, the roof, that'll probably be, need to be repainted in 30 years. Um, 
but it, the things that are going to be replaced are the systems. I mean, you know that everyone who has an iPhone, how quickly those change. Um, so we're making sure that the, the, the equipment that we're putting in can be taken out and replaced. Uh, uh, things that are in the wall, wires, uh, uh, pathways, they're all being done with conduits so we can uh, replace those systems without, without having to tear up the walls. All that has to be done nowadays so that you, can't, you know you can get in there and replace that stuff. Yeah, but, but in terms of the, the, the physical building itself, um, Yes, a long, long time. I just want to say thank you to both of our speakers. And um, on behalf of Lifetime Learning and the Alumni Association, we have a small gift. Oh, I thought, yeah, I was going to get a hat. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.